Hey, how's it going, everybody? Happy Halloween! You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Once again, this is the podcast where we talk about and share the very best in video game music. Today's episode is Final Boss Themes. We thought it would be fitting, just in time for Halloween, to talk about some of the more intense, rocking, and demonic themes that video games have to offer. Absolutely, we thought this would be a fitting topic for Halloween. Now, if you guys remember last year, we had some really fun Halloween-themed episodes. It was a two-part series. Yeah, we had spooky music and we had horror games. Now, one thing I wanted to mention on the top of this episode is this is kind of a companion episode. This is a part two, if you will, to an episode we had in our first season, which was regular boss themes. Now, we did play some fantastic boss music and some fantastic final boss music on that episode. Yeah, today we're actually only focusing on themes from either a final boss or a final boss battle Mm -hmm. in games. So uh, we're going to notice in comparison to that boss episode, these are going to be traditionally a little bit more demonic, but substantially more epic because there's this feeling of excitement in that this is the epic conclusion. This is all the cards are on the table. So it may not always be as rocking as like that Sonic 3 final Mm -hmm. boss track that we played in with, but you are going to feel the sense of importance in just something to a huge epic scale. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I got to say, preparing this episode, hearing all these tracks in context with one another, it is a lot of fun to listen to them in the context of a final boss theme because there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of cohesion that you're going to hear from composer to composer. There's a lot of traditions that are set forth early on in the 8 and 16-bit era that composers will follow for years. Well, and I think these are uh, pieces that really stick in the minds of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I know I'm just very impressed. We put the word out uh, for suggestions for this playlist and we've got such great feedback and yeah. response, a lot of great uh, suggestions from people. And I think the reason for that is that uh, final bosses really leave an impact. And the music also is something that really sticks in our heads because that's typically... Um, it's such a memorable point in the game. It's well, one of the exactly. last things you play. It's one of the last things you hear. Yeah, it's like the pinnacle of excitement in sort of any video game experience. So we do have a handful of tracks that are suggested by you guys, the listeners. So that should be exciting to get to those. And that's something that we're going to do from time to time, ask you guys for your suggestions keep it interactive one thing we wanted to say one of our personal favorite final boss themes that we already have played on that boss episode we just wanted to give a shout out if anyone's wondering why it's not on today's episode is the yoshi's island final boss i know that's one that means a lot to us yeah absolutely we have played it before and there also is another one just a little disclaimer the super mario 64 final boss absolutely that was really one of the best i think it was the track of the week on the boss episode so we thought we probably should so i another reason we're not playing it though is uh i don't want to give too many things away but we do have nintendo month coming up again all through the month of november and there may or may not be a topic that you know will warrant that yeah there may be some sort of crossover (laughs) between the super mario 64 final boss and a topic that we're doing in nintendo month but other than that this should be a very fantastic playlist i'm really excited to share all these tracks with you and i'm really excited for a lot of you who have made suggestions to get to share these tracks with everybody else so let's get to it carl yeah absolutely so we're going to start things off with one of our personal favorite soundtracks from the 8-bit era this is castlevania 3 for the nes and this was composed by Hidenori Miyazawa, Jun Funahashi, and Yuki Morimoto. We're going to play one of the final boss themes. Now, Will, I believe there are two final boss themes? That's correct. The The final battle with uh, Dracula in this game is uh, sort of historically a very hard boss battle. I think he has three forms. But this final theme, there's two variations. There's the first mm-hmm. time you hear it. 
Um, and then when you hear it the second time, which is the version we'll be playing, it's a sped up tempo and it's much faster and more rocking. So we thought that'd be fitting for the first track yeah, to play. Absolutely. This is Big Battle 2 from Castlevania 3. Listening to Big Battle 2, and this is from Castlevania 3 for the NES, and this was composed by Hidenori Miyazawa, Jun Funahashi, and Yuki Morimoto. Some Man. absolutely quintessential <laughs> video game music right here. I mean, oh, yeah. Castlevania, some of the best stuff in game music history, and especially on the NES. I mean, Castlevania 1, 2, and 3, just masterful soundtracks, and I, I know Carl and I both love just everything about the musical palette in these three games. Just all that rich classical influence with that rock sensibility. It's just so infectious and all the melodies are so catchy. It's and really just for flawless. me personally, particularly this third soundtrack. For some reason, this has always been my favorite soundtrack. In yeah, the it's series. much more rocking. Yeah, it's so rocking. I know the intro theme is we've heard a remix of that before with full fledged rock guitars, like a whole rock group. And wasn't it interesting how perfect that was for that yeah. setup? This is another one that if I were to hear that band, this would be perfectly suited. Yeah, for there that. is something about this game. I mean, my personal favorite is still the original Castlevania. Yeah, and I think the first two have this sort of cohesive sound to them that I absolutely love. Even though it's love. different composers, which is right. Crazy. Yeah, it always it really impresses me. But this game has a very distinct sound to its soundtrack. It's sort of like uh, supercharging some of the cliches of mm -hmm. the first two. So it's like they have that classical influence, that sort of uh, churchy influence. Well, they kind of go farther in the churchy elements. Exactly. Like, I'm talking about the prelude, especially. Exactly. Like, yeah, they're sort of deeper like, into that world. It's a it's a more ultra saturated mm -hmm. uh, depiction of what the Castlevania music is. It's much more rocking, and it does have more of those classical roots, which is. I think one of the reasons it's so successful, it's unabashed in what it's trying to achieve, and it definitely achieves it. And for a final boss theme, this is just so great because, you know, it's not slowing you down with a really lyrical melody. It grooves and it rocks. Um, but you get those classical harmonics, and what's so great is being that it is a horror game, some classical motives in classical harmony really has the ability to evoke this incredibly demonic and powerful nature to it. I think that's just something inherent to when we hear classical music. It has that ability to create that sort of connotation, well, especially with minor Whenever it stuff. gets around this time of the year for Halloween music, how many times do we hear themes like that play? Played on a church organ. There is a connotation to that kind of church tradition. Oh, yeah. It's just it really it lends itself to this kind of music. One thing that I love about this track is I think it's a really good showcase of the NES because you have those really fast rhythms that are alternating. There's a lot of do 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 going on, and not only is it fast and exciting, but it is a good thing to do if you only have three channels because it feels like there's more happening than there actually is. So it's a great way to start off today. Let's move on to The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. Composed by Koji Kondo, this particular track, I'm of the opinion that this really set the foundation for pretty much every single Nintendo boss theme that, that you'd hear you know, from here on out. I really feel like this is incredibly ahead of its time. This is very innovative stuff here. Let's take a listen to The Prince of Darkness, which is the final boss theme from Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. 
such a classic piece of music. This is The Prince of Darkness from Link to the Past, composed by Koji Kondo. One thing that is so striking about this, especially in this era of game music, it's one of the first times when you're really exploring a bunch of different time signatures in such a classic soundtrack. This is in 7-4. It's something you'll notice if you actually count the rhythms of this piece. It's not in a normal time signature such as 4-4, which 90% of music and game music right. is. This is 7-4, which it takes it and it kind of puts it a little well, bit on edge. Well, you can almost think about it as uh, almost, if you could divide it into two measures, mm-hmm. as a measure of 4-4 four, four and a measure, measure of 3-4. Three. Three, mm-hmm. But it's consistent, so you would just call it 7-4, which is a sort of more odd meter that you get in a lot more modern soundtracks, well, a lot thing, more uh, film score. One thing that's great about 7-4, it's one of my favorite time signatures. I like to use it a lot for jazz and funk music because it gives it a little bit of a twist. Right. It's very hip. Much like 5-8 Exactly, 5-4. Five, five, but what it does for this kind of music is it takes the emotions and it does elevate those emotions because it's not as comfortable. You can't groove to it as much. It kind of makes you a little bit confused and it, it's unexpected. And I think that's exactly what Koji Kondo is going for here. He wants to have you, ooh, he don't, you don't know what's well, coming to next. to me what I know? feel like is it's just sort of like a time bomb. It's as soon as that phrase starts, there's almost like you can imagine like a rubber band being pulled and it feels like it's going longer than you expect. And as soon as it gets to seven, it's released and then pulled hold again. Right. There's that tension, but then tension and a release. part of it mm-hmm. feels like it's almost coming before you'd expect. It's really interesting. And that song is just fantastic. I mean, some of the harmonics that he explores. The chord like progression. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just, I think it's incredibly influential to Koji Kondo's later work. This reminds me of Mario 64, the regular boss theme, Yoshi's Island. I mean, almost every well, and single And all the Nintendo. future Zeldas, like yeah. Wind Waker and I even think, like Skyward Sword. Even. What it is, is that's chromatically descending chord progression that you hear in so many bosses themes and when you hear it you're like oh my gosh that's classic or if you want to say cliche whatever word you want to say but really this was one of the first times when it was when it was used to such an effective level exactly so let's move on to ease this is the very first ease game it's called ease ancient ease vanished and once again this was composed by yuzo kashiro and miko ishikawa we're going to play a kashiro composition this is the final boss theme for the first game We're going to play once again from the PC-88 version, which is the version that we um, are big fans of. This is called The Last Moment of the Dark. Talk about a demonic piece of music. This is a great quintessential final boss theme. Um, On the off chance that any of you aren't familiar with final boss music, uh, I I find that very unlikely, but this is a great example. This is The Last Moment of the Dark, composed by Yuzo Kashiro. 
we talk a lot about um, some of the compositional elements in final boss music, descending chromatic chord progressions, yeah. this or one has any that. type of chromaticism. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, when you're in a key, you expect it to have a diatonic melody, yeah. and when it's moving chromatically, it's sort of this modulation that you can't really adjust to. Yeah, and for maybe some of you non-music people out there, a diatonic melody, that would mean a melody that stays within the key of the song. Right, so if, you're so if in- it's major or minor, it remains within using the notes that create a major and minor sound, but yep. chromatic means that it's moving along a scale down to the next closest note. Mm-hmm. So it sort of makes it so you can't quite grasp your bearings of what key you're in. Which again is perfect for final boss music because that's the emotion you want to give the player, not quite grasping where you mm-hmm. are. It's this intense struggle. You don't want to make it too crazy because I think... Then it gets dissonant. Yeah, what's important in final bosses is, is you, if it's too over the top, it's almost like overwhelming it's like, I don't even know if I can do this. Yeah. You want to have slight hints of hope. Slight right. hints of something that can amp you up. Well, you know? right, and something that I like about this and a lot of the music that we're going to play today, it's not so much about just being incredibly rocking, you know? It's about creating, again, that feeling of an epic battle, Mm -hmm. uh, just a grand confrontation that... Um, would almost become a legend is really what a lot I, of these are trying to create. And that I sort think of something that holds up to the rest of the game because how many hours have you put into this adventure or whatever adventure you're playing? It needs to be almost the climax of the game. It needs to really pay tribute to everything that came before. Sometimes musically you'll hear older themes that will come back in the final boss theme. And a lot of times it is the most intense piece of music. Occasionally what I like is when composers will do something completely different. We have a couple examples today where pieces that really don't sound like typical final boss right. music. Well, because I feel like if this was a typical boss theme from the East series, it would mm-hmm. just have that bass going do 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 Right, right. You know, it would just be that constant yeah. eighth note uh, bass Line the thing. ease bass rhythm? Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of, um, this is a great segue, speaking of composers that made a final boss theme that is not typical, this is we're going to play one right now. This is from Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. That was a game that came out for the DS, composed by Yoko Shimomura. And this is a great example of a final boss theme that, if you didn't know it was, you would never expect it to be a final boss theme. Let's take a listen to the Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story final boss. <laughs>
You're listening to the final boss theme from Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, composed by the legendary Yoko Shimomura. Now, what's so great about this is the fact that is once you do know that is a final boss theme, and if you're playing the game, it definitely fits. It's it kind of has a little elements of tragicness, and it definitely is is kind of epic. But it's kind of understated too because it has this techno beat. It's not over the top. You will hear a lot of techno final boss themes. I really love that piano moment though, yes. where you have the um, higher voice da 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 da, mm-hmm. and it sounds almost like a minor thing. But then that lower voice is doing that chromatic yeah. da, 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 da. It really works well. One one thing that I love about this piece is the fact that I know Yoko Shimomura's work. It reminds me of some Square stuff. It reminds uh-huh. me a little bit of Kingdom Hearts, a little bit right. of Final Fantasy, and I think that's kind of fun to hear that. The thing that I really like about this is it's sort of accenting some of the more emotional qualities that are tied to completing a game. Yeah. Because, you know, this is the final battle, but essentially it means... Yeah, I mean, it's epic, but the reality is if you win, then the game's over and you've beaten the game. So it's almost sort of culminating the emotions of playing through this entire experience in centering them on one uh, event. So maybe she felt like it wouldn't be fitting to the Mm -hmm. game because it is an RPG and you put a lot of time into it. It wouldn't be fitting to the game to just make it demonic and dark because that's only capturing... Mm -hmm the emotion of that moment but that moment really is sort of like a culmination of the entire definitely some combination of emotions you feel near the end of a a great game i really i agree with you it is sort of there's like a tragedy element what's so great though is there's a lot of hope i mean yoko shimamura here is really giving the player feelings of yes you can do this you know Mm -hmm. it's not overwhelming it's not impossible you can do this what one thing that i really want to say though is i feel like final boss themes and final bosses are much more meaningful in RPGs because think about the number of hours you're playing Mm -hmm. this adventure you know it really is a meaningful thing whereas you're playing Mario 64 I guess that's maybe not a great example that's a pretty long game but if you're playing you know a fairly short action platform you get to a final boss it's not like the biggest deal in the world but if you're playing an RPG that you spent 50 hours on I mean I guess it depends how good you are like when I was younger getting to the final boss in Mario 64 was crazy was a big deal because that that whole final level I remember is that was really tricky. That whole thing w- with that entire level of this moving up and down. In the final Bowser in Mario sixty four, um, the the pieces of the floor are dropping, yeah, so it turns it into makes a, star. a star. Yeah, that really is kind of the closest thing to an RPG game in the Mario series. You know, like that was the first one where you had to get one hundred and twenty stars, and there's all these other extras and that secret, is true. secrets and stuff. Yeah. Let's move on to a perfect theme for Halloween. This is Grabbed by the Ghoulies, and this is an Xbox game that was composed by Grant Kirkhope. We're going to play the final boss. I believe there's a couple different themes in this game. We're going to play Final Boss of the Red Baron Part 2, composed by Grant Kirkhope. <laughs>
lot of fun. This is Final Boss, The Red Baron, Part 2, from Grabbed by the Ghoulies, and this is composed by Grant Kirkhope. Such a familiar style from Kirkhope. Uh, this really is um, probably the most quintessential style of music that, that he did for video games. I mean, it really sounds like it could fit in something like Banjo-Kazooie, the kind of demonic, uh, campy, spooky kind of music that he's just so talented at composing. Well, what I love about this episode and this playlist is that we're going to get to hear some examples of themes that have a high level of subtlety to them mm-hmm. and... Uh, a lot of depth as far as uh, the emotional qualities and you also get ones that know like this to not have subtlety to Mm -hmm. just uh, wear all the necessary emotions on their sleeve you know it's really demonic it's really intense it's also spooky and sort of campy, and some of those and are that's what the, game the themes is. of the game, mm-hmm. but also some of that has to do with uh, different taste. You know, one thing I've always loved about Grant Kirkhope, and one of the reasons he has such a good sense of melody, is that he really is not ashamed. You know, he he's completely willing to go all out and just push something to its fullest even if to some people it might sound a little silly or campy he's able to achieve uh some very memorable soundtracks that way by not Mm -hmm. trying to sort of uh meet something halfway or dive into a level of subtlety which isn't necessarily a bad thing in all cases it depends on the game but it's also not necessarily a great thing in all cases well i think what's so important with grant kirkhope and we kind of got a sense of this when we talked to him is such a great sense of humor the guy has and i think similar to the lucas arts guys is they love humor in their music they love to inject quirkiness in their tunes and for video games oh that's just so great it's so great to have that level of humor in the game and especially for a game like this where the whole game i imagine has a little bit of a wink and a nudge to it you know oh exactly i think you know most of the games that he's worked on whether at rare or else uh, he really has a reputation of working on some of those games that Mm -hmm. have humor as an element and you know it's funny with um all three of the gentlemen that we've interviewed uh the game composers they've all really had experiences working on games with a humor element and i think that's just sort of indicative (laughs) of the medium you know there's a lot of games that are sort of tongue-in-cheek in their tone and style i mean think about something like earthworm jim i mean how much goofiness there is in that game and music that's a very good point well well now we're going to move on to a track that was suggested to us by the twitter user s john reefer and this is from chrono cross once again composed by the legendary yasunori matsuda who composed the original chrono trigger this is a really cool piece of music this is dragon god the final boss enjoy
very interesting piece of music there. Some interesting vocal samples. This is Dragon God from Chrono Cross for the PS1, composed by Yasunori Mitsuda. This is a suggestion from at S. John Reefer. Thank you, Mr. Reefer. (laughs) Thanks, Mr. Reefer. Yeah, um, this is a really great piece of music. This was a nice discovery uh, for me. I I had never heard this piece. I'm familiar with the Chrono Cross soundtrack. I'm very uh, I'm very much a fan of it, and I'm very much a fan of Yasunori Mitsuda. I really like all of his work, and I think once again, this is an incredibly effective final boss theme. It's very unique. It's not following kind of cliches of other video game right i mean it's it's fitting to that soundtrack in that series you know you get some of the celtic influence Mm -hmm. some of that is accented by that solo violin but some of those lines uh definitely have a little bit of a more uh old school dorian celtic sound to them but a lot of it is just sort of modern and chromatic and a little dissonant. Pretty good violin sample for the PS1 right. era. But very experimental, and I don't mean that in sort of a negative or bad way, but as something yeah, that's like very effective in this case. You the know, the vocal samples are definitely experimental. Oh, what absolutely. are your thoughts on those, in the very intro, those interesting kind of dissonant vocals that are in there? What, what did you think about that? You know, I think it's fitting. It's definitely all intentional. And, it's um, kind of scary. I think it serves good contrast from a lot of the tunes in this series. Right here, you're hearing it, yeah. Well, I feel like, again, we're getting uh, two clashing things where it's like, on its own, you have this sort of minor thing and then this slightly weird, like, major vocal sample, and there's a clash between them, but... Uh, those two pieces in and of themselves aren't necessarily scary, but mm-hmm. when you put them together, um, there's something off-putting and like uncanny about it. Yeah, that's a very good point. And it kind of experimental. I mean, we talked a little bit about that in Parasite Eve. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, we are going to play a Final Boss later from Parasite Eve, and it's probably one of the scariest pieces today. And Yoko Shimomura really did a great job uh, in that soundtrack of right. kind of doing what you were talking about there. Well, we're going to move on to Mega Man 5 for the NES. This is a soundtrack that was composed by Mary Yamaguchi. She did a really good job in this soundtrack. Let's take a listen to the final boss. demonic track from Mary Yamaguchi from Mega Man 5. You know, it's funny, Carl, doesn't this really fit the Halloween theme? Absolutely. You know, it's, it's one it's, of the most demonic pieces yeah, from this it's era. it's funny. It doesn't really sound as much like Mega Man as something like Ghosts and Goblins, mm-hmm. you know? But it, it does have that kind of syn- rhythmic syncopation, kind of rocking rhythms, right. you know, that I you guess get. I'm just mainly talking about the chord choices. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting is, isn't these later Mega Man games for the uh-huh. NES, Mega Man 5 and 6, they were not as concerned with upholding the traditions from Mega Man 1 and 2. They were doing a bunch of different creative things. And Mary Yamaguchi, I think, of the later NES Mega Man soundtracks, I think she did the best job. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I remember when we were going through Mega Man soundtracks, oh, that was a while now. Yeah. 
long time ago. ago. But yeah, I remember doing that. Mega Man Five was one of your mm-hmm. favorites of the later, yeah, sort of Mega Man games. So yeah, good ups, Mary Yamaguchi. If you're, I'm sure she's listening to this right now. <laughs> I don't know. It's another composer. I don't know if she's still active. I haven't really heard anything from her ever since. Yeah, this you. Era. He- it's one of those names you hear yeah. around all the time. You know, but there's certain sort of unsung heroes, people that don't get as much attention, but do play sort of a large role. One kind of hope that we have, we're kind of crossing our fingers, is that the off chance maybe we'll see some of these obscure people at MAGFest. Uh, We we would love to hope that. I think if not, some point, I think one of our goals is to go to Japan and and try to interview some of these Hire a translator. Yeah, some of these old obscure composers that I'm sure most people don't really have much interest in talking to. And I mean also the non-obscure ones. I really would love to meet Koji Kondo. Yeah. I could go either way with the guy. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, for me, I feel like one thing that, <laughs> before I die, I want to be able to talk to Masato Nakamura, because right. he's had such an impact on me. I want to say one more thing about the song before okay. we go on, because I feel like I'll allow it. we got sidetracked and we didn't talk enough about the song. The, there's one part where it's sort of doing that thing where the uh, bass is having a chromatically descending thing, but the chords are doing their own thing. It's where you have... Right. And you get this a high level of dissonance, but... But because it's on the NES, you only have three voices at one time. So it's creating the impression of a lot of clashing when really yes. there's not much clashing at all. You have to, it's the really rest of the clashing effective. you have to create in your own mind. Right. What I love is that the, the kind of echo oh, that you yeah. get is excellent. Yeah. Great track. Let's move on to Metroid Prime. This is the final boss theme in this game. Once again, there's two. Uh, if you remember, if you've played this game, Metroid Prime is the final boss that you have to fight. And there's two forms. Uh, there's the first form, and then you think the game's over, and you go down, and it's the actual, it's like the head, the inner head. It's called the core essence. Right. So that's what we're going to play now. We're going to play Metroid Prime Essence Battle, and this was composed by Kenji Yamamoto. And just fun fact, Metroid Prime is uh, the greatest video game ever made. That's <laughs> it's a actually a fact. fact. I believe. Yeah. yeah, I read that somewhere. I think it was Wikipedia. So not credited <laughs> sources, but I'm pretty sure. I think we did author that article, but we're just going <laughs> to. Yeah, this is Metroid Prime Essence Battle. badass piece of music is Metroid Prime Essence Battle from the title game composed by Kenji Yamamoto. This is the final boss in the final form of that final boss. Truly one of the last pieces of music you hear in this game. Kenji Yamamoto knocking it out of the park. I love how hard he's hitting the limiter here. 
on this track. If you look at the waveform of this track, it's like a square all the way through. It's so right. loud. It's well, so you compressed. get so many production effects. You know, right now there's this sort of phase going on. There's a lot of heavy compression. And he's using some of those synth sounds and effects that he musically does to evoke sound in sound effects mm -hmm. in the game. You know, Phazon, which is sort of that chemical element that's present throughout the entire Metroid Prime series. In this game, whenever you're near it, there's this weird sound effect that sounds sort of like this synthy mallet that... Yeah. You know, that sort of sound that's going on back yeah, there. Yeah, one thing I want to quickly say, sorry to cut you off, Will, is one thing that I think is so badass about this is, once again, this this harkens back to the... You know, oh, that absolutely. classic theme. But one of the times he does it, he lands on the tritone. Right. And it's so effective because how used to we are of hearing that theme. It's like we've heard it so many times. Uh -huh. Even playing this game, we've heard it a hundred times. Now you hear it and he... Oh, it's great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the exact note that it lands on. Yeah, that's just awesome. And I, again, though, I love how he integrates sound effects with music because really that's Once sort again, of... Yeah. That's the... Um, that's the pillar of really Metroid's sound design, is mixing sound and music. That's what Hirokazu Tanaka said when he was creating the soundtrack to the first Metroid. And uh, Kenji, Kenji Yamamoto really, followed, suit, really yeah. followed that in both Super Metroid and Metroid Prime. And I think a sign of a really good composer is someone who's able to uh, fit the product and score the experience based on what it wants, mm -hmm. not what the composer is bringing to the table. Because what's so great is something like Super Metroid is so so melodic and so tuneful and Metroid Prime gets a little bit more atmospheric but mm -hmm. it's not because of Kenji Yamamoto's lack of ability to create something really tuneful what I think it's is more about the game is so realistic and atmospheric itself that that's what yeah. the soundtrack really really craved absolutely and he's not being selfish at all he's very selfless in, in, in the role of a composer one thing that I think is interesting is yeah in the 16-bit era I don't think that I would consider Super Metroid very melodic and tuneful. In that era, it's it's one of the most ambient soundtracks yeah, of that that's era. True. Now it's oh, it's so melodic and tuneful. Back then, it was probably like, whoa, what is this? You know. But still, it's like his ability to craft good melodies is mm -hmm. very present in that game. Absolutely. There's so many hummable tunes where Just this so track effective. isn't necessarily hummable, other than mm -hmm. the parts where it quotes famous Metroid uh, phrases. But at the same time, it's equally as impressive because all the little elements of sound and production design are so thought out and so well integrated into the experience. Just an example, that Phazon little sound effect mm -hmm. is used as a sound effect in the game, but maybe it's music. You know, it could be part of the score. That's the thing is it blurs the line. You never know what's sound and what's music because it's all so intimate and connected. I really feel like I will say that Kenji Yamamoto did make Metroid Prime as melodic as you could have possibly made it. I mean, I think it's right. still so great that there's so many. Great yes, themes, it's atmospheric, but, but I can still remember right I mean it's great that he was able to walk the line between well both I think of it's those. all about the production and the instrument choices you know yeah. he's very much an expert I mean as much as I love someone like Koji Kondo with him it's sort of about the tune it's yeah. about the music and the instrumentation is second which is great and how many times do other people implement his music exactly you know? so, yeah. and what's so great about Kenji Yamamoto is that I feel like that's always a present concern is mm -hmm. what is this going to be for if I want to have something a little bit more tuneful then it has to just be piano and it has to be for the right environment and the right scenario and it feels like less about what he wants and more about what the product wants but i could go on about how much <laughs> i love metroid prime it'll have to be to another another episode huh so now we're going to move on to a suggestion by alex and hey what do you know it happens to be this week's track of the week 
We definitely agree with you, Alex. This is a great piece of music. This is from Super Mario Galaxy 2. This is the final Bowser battle composed by Ryo Nagamatsu. Interesting that I think one of the most strongest pieces in this game is actually not composed by Mahito Yakoda. This is a fantastic piece. I mean, or Koji Kondo. Or Koji Kondo. And I think this is actually more intense than the original Mario Galaxy final Bowser theme. I think it's Well, because excellent. you have this choir mm-hmm. sort of thing going on here. Choir and full orchestra. It's uber uber epic yeah i think this is in my opinion the best piece of music that i've ever heard from this gentleman ryo nagamatsu so let's take a listen to the final bowser battle Wow. This is the track of the week this week. This is the final Bowser battle from Super Mario Galaxy 2 for the Wii, composed by Ryo Nagamatsu. Thanks, Alex, for this suggestion. Yeah, Alex, you're actually hired on the Super Mercado Brothers step. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, yeah, we really appreciate all the suggestions, again, from you guys at really made uh, picking this playlist fun, uh, but also a lot of pressure (laughs) because we knew that the ones that we had to pick had to be as good or better than the ones that you guys submitted because we didn't really want to drop the ball on this. But, yes, thanks again, Alex, for suggesting this stellar, stellar piece of music. Um, I was just talking to Carl again how it's so incredible that this is a Ryu Nagamatsu composition because it is one of the best themes in the game, both how it's orchestrated, how all the parts move together. Every single line is so so rich. I mean, you have full orchestra, choir, all moving together. Those inner woodwinds line during that midsection, the one minute trills with the flute. I mean, everything's just fantastic. What I think is crazy is about one minute, 30 seconds into the piece, all of a sudden there's this whole other section that is almost like the chorus of the song. And it's every bit as good as any modern orchestral video game theme that is It's also crazy that this is Mario. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, it feels like Galaxy 2. You know, there's that one section where he's kind of evoking some of the Mario Galaxy main themes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And having the dun 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 dun. I mean, that's sort of like a... I think that's a Mihira Yakota quirk there, is yeah. that sort of rhythm. Another thing Will was talking to me about uh, while this was playing is I just... It's just... I'm racking my brain that this is the same gentleman who did all the awful Mario Kart music, and I just don't understand. Will was saying that he thinks all of it was intentional. He just thinks that he was going for something that maybe we don't like, well, but I think maybe he thought some it was of, good. Uh, those composers, some of the Nintendo composers, I don't know if it's a backlash or if it's like a quirk, but for some music, 
I think there's just like desire, something cool or quirky about that um, random techno-y nature of some of those melodies. I noticed that with Asuka Oda and other various sort of Nintendo composers mm -hmm. where I'd hear uh, tracks of theirs and be like, oh, this is just not good. But then you'd hear great ones. And then yeah. it's like, well, why don't they do it for all of it? And I think some of it comes down to taste in like being effective. And while I don't think a lot of that Mario Kart music is effective and even a lot of some of the boss themes in it this also game. could be um, some miscommunication. Maybe he was under the impression, oh, this is Mario Kart tradition. I feel like I have to uphold this. Maybe he just was under the wrong impression right. that maybe he heard double dash and he was like, oh, okay, I understand. And it's kind of like this game of telephone that gets a little bit different over the years. And exactly. it's like they lose track of Mario or Kart Or even 64. Like, like the boss themes, you know, yeah. whether it's the new Super Mario Brothers, the Galaxy games, uh, that Super Mario 3D Land mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, they all, a lot of the boss themes are kind of like, yeah. like they're really kind of techno y and not really as solidly composed. I wonder and what I think was the there first. There is intention behind it. I just don't personally feel it's effective. What's the first Mario game that had that kind of style of boss music? I think it was Galaxy. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, the Mario Sunshine, I remember when it came out, I didn't love the boss theme, but listening to it now, it's pretty good. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> it's all funny right. how things like that change over yeah. time. Yeah, so we're going to move on to Street Fighter 2. This is kind of a fun choice. This is the M. Bison stage, and yes, that is the final boss of this game. This was composed by Yoko Shimano. Mamora. Let's take a listen to the Street Fighter 2 version from the Super Nintendo. I know in the past I'm such a big fan of the special championship edition for the Genesis and Will kind of always yeah, I just, you know, dies uh, inside whenever I, I play that Genesis version. version. So, <laughs> this is the Super Nintendo version of M. Bison Stage. Excellent. This is M. Bison Stage from Street Fighter 2, SNES version, composed by Yoko Shimomura. And I believe Yoshiro Sakaguchi did some implementation, some of the instruments for this particular SNES version. But yeah, no, this is this is a really good version. I actually downloaded all three of the Super Nintendo soundtrack, and this is actually, I think, the most well-done version of this M. Bison theme. Well, one thing I really like, those church bells that you're hearing are actually part of the level design. Yeah. You know, it's sort of supposed to be... I love it. It's sort of integrating it into the environment. You're, there's mm -hmm. supposed to be sort of bells on the two sides yeah, of yeah. the fighting arena. With Don't M. the bells Bison. break at some point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you crash M. Bison into the bell, M. Bison the bell is breaks. such a badass. I love how he starts with kind of the cape or the coat, uh -huh, and then he and rips, he it, rips off. it off. It's One really thing cool. I want to mention is that, surprisingly enough, originally this was not the music that was intended for M. Bison. In Japan, this is the Vega theme. 
And actually, really? this is the U.S. M. Bison theme. And I don't know if the U.S. Vega theme was used for M. Bison because that would be terrible. I mean, I that's think such that a was Spanish, probably a new composed thing. Maybe because that's such a Spanish-inspired song. It's perfect for Vega. This really fits M. Bison, I think. That's really interesting. Yeah. And actually, I'm pretty sure in Jap in Japan, what we know as the Balrog theme was the M. Bison theme. I think I, I could see that yeah. working because that's pretty epic. It's one stuff. of the best songs. Yeah. It's a great song and it's pretty like dark. I always thought that was a little too intense for Balrog, yeah. but I mean, I love the song. You know, I think I sort of get what's going on there. The reason why maybe that was the Vega theme was that uh, I feel like for the American version, it's like the whole. Uh, presentation of vega it's a little bit stereotypical the spanish a little bit <laughs> thing and he he sort of leaps around and goes oh and wears this mask and it's, it's a little bit like more offensive and i think uh maybe the original japanese version was just sort of like oh yeah vega is a fighter and you know not all the songs are trying to be stereotypical of the region that they're i gotta in. say i'm so glad that i grew up with the version i did because i love vegas yeah theme. the vega it's theme is excellent. so good yeah. Cool, I'm glad we got to play that. That was maybe an unexpected choice today. I just well, love how good that melody is because yeah. the chords are seemingly dissonant and played with that bell instrument mm -hmm. uh, is a little unpleasing, but that's really a classic, classic Street Fighter melody. And really good use of stereo panning for the Super Nintendo. We're going to move on to a pick that was suggested by Andrew. So thanks, Andrew, for this pick. This is really one of the strongest pieces today. Arguably the most famous theme we're playing today this is incredibly well known uh this is one winged angel from final fantasy 7 i mean you're talking about one of the most well-loved soundtracks and games of all time in one of the most famous pieces of that game this is composed by nobu uematsu and it's it's pretty striking because obviously it features ps1 um samples you know from that era but it also features a full choir that was recorded on top of that so it's kind of quirky to hear that combination of ps1 samples with a full choir yeah real and fake yeah, so you don't hear that a lot in something as epic as this and i know there's um other versions of this there's orchestrated versions there's um in the final fantasy 7 advent children they do an updated version of this but this is the original from final fantasy 7 please enjoy one winged angel
one of the pieces today that has a very long form. I believe uh, the total length of this song is about seven minutes, and we have a few of the tracks today that are very long pieces, so that's something that's kind of unique about Final Boss music. This is One Winged Angel from Final Fantasy VII for the PS1, composed by Nobu Uematsu. I think it's so funny that not only is it that choir with an orchestra, but it's not even a choir with orchestral samples. It's choir with the PS1 sound chip, like which MIDI samples. Really yeah. sounds just not good. The, mm-hmm. That sound chip just sounds kind of almost 16-bit. Like I it, think <laughs> the funniest, um, maybe the apex of how funny that combination is, is when you hear the the MIDI accordion mixed with this really lush, beautiful choir. It's like what? Yeah. It, it works in a weird way, doesn't it? I mean, I still think it works, but I think it was a limitation of the time, and it's definitely something that he would have tried to change if. You know, if he could have, yeah, if he had the ability, you know, to. Um, it doesn't take anything away from the song. I think it's a great song, and I understand why this is so classic to a lot of people. Well, it's very complicated in the part writing too, mm-hmm. and I think. No matter what Nobuimatsu did, this is the final boss of Final Fantasy VII. It's truly going to be one of the most memorable moments of anyone's childhood if you grew yeah, up with exactly. this system. So no matter what he did, as long as he did a halfway decent job, it would probably be really famous. You know, I, yeah. Not to take anything away from this song, but I think if this was placed in an obscure game, it probably wouldn't have the following that it does now. I think that's true. I think a lot of it. But at the same time, it's like this exists the way it is because of that game. Right. You, you can't know, it's, separate it's it. scored to the experience and that's something that he's really good at is Mm -hmm. scoring Final Fantasy games so thanks Andrew for the suggestion I don't know if we would have picked this without his suggestion I think we were actually thinking of doing a different Final Fantasy track and there was someone else who suggested another one so maybe we'll get to that there's so much good Final Fantasy music right so sorry if anyone suggested a track that we didn't get to today but so much good stuff So now we're going to move on to Parasite Eve, and this is another soundtrack composed by Yoko Shimomura, and we talked a lot about this in our horror games episode, and this is the scariest piece of music we're going to play today, and one reason I thought it was kind of important to include this is because this is very different from the music that we normally play on this podcast. It's not melodic. It's not very accessible. I think it's very effective for a video game, but it's nice to kind of have a little bit of contrast because this doesn't sound like most of the music we play. So let's take a listen to UB, Final Ball composed by Yoko Shimomura.
this is definitely something I want to I want to escape this. I don't want to have to listen to this. It's very yeah. scary, oh very terrifying. God, it's I horrifying. I think it's really the soundtrack was an experiment for Shimamura. How much can I combine? How much can I make something clash to make it scary? This is once again the final battle. That vocal sample is so creepy. Oh it's like a choir and it's purposely singing in some sort of dead language. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like those evil, sadistic, like, chanters in Resident Evil 4. Right, right. That are, like, chanting that dead language at you, and then they try to come and attack you. Like, it's really scary and frightening. And the scariest thing is that it has a slightly major quality to this mm-hmm. sort of dissonant minor key song. Yeah. So something about the fact that it's slightly major is very off-putting and scary. It sort of fits in that uncanny valley that we were talking about, <laughs> but it's yeah. very intentional. You know, it's that place where it's vagueness that we can't really tell Which what is it is, scary. so it's creepy. It's really Because scary. it's not overtly dark and sad, Yeah. so it just makes us really uneasy. One thing I also want to say is I know there's a lot of other really scary final boss themes that maybe some of you are slightly disappointed <laughs> we're not including, but honestly, if we played any more scary music, I think we would probably wet ourselves because oh we can't really well, take you this. You haven't already? Okay. Neither yeah. have I. Will's going to need a fresh pair, so we might have to take a little pause <laughs> yeah, here, What but. it's doing with panning is so terrifying, too. Like yeah. At first, when that uh, low... Uh, line started rising that like bass thing coming in the left channel earlier on in the song that really got me spooked out and now this organ thing panning left to right right it's like a spider speaking of wetting your pants uh this is unrelated but uh if any of you haven't seen that uh youtube video i think it's from tim and eric it's with will forte it's called fortin with will forte and um and it's as absolutely hilarious, but he he wets his pants in that video. So that's well, something spoiler alert! Jeez, yeah. man, ruined it for me. <laughs> no, I think you'll still enjoy it. We're gonna move on to Riviera, the Promised Land for the GBA, composed by one of my favorite composers, Monaco Adachi. Let's take a listen to the final battle, and definitely a nice contrast from what we just listened to. I think we can kind of breathe, and everything's gonna be okay with this piece. This is the final battle. Listening to the final battle from Riviera the Promised Land, and this was for the Game Boy Advance, composed by Minako Adachi, in my opinion, one of the masters of this system. You might know her work from the Swordcraft Story series. I'm a really big fan of that series as well. Excellent. This is definitely one of the pieces that it's a little bit less threatening. It's classic old school video game music. Yeah, I actually breathe a sigh of relief compared to that Parasite Eve thing. You're that, able to change that's your like pants. a musical yeah. parasite. Oh. <laughs> 
terrifying stuff. Yeah. I, I love it. It's like we're listening to a new song and we're still talking about Parasite Eve. Right. I feel feel bad, but God. And really, that's scary. not the scariest final boss theme in the video games. Like, there's probably one I could have included that would be even scarier, but I'm glad yeah, I'm I didn't. kind because, of a wuss. Yeah. I guess I wasn't expecting that from video game music. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of great final boss themes that we're not going to be able to include today. And who knows? We might have another one. Maybe next year we'll do final boss part two. Yeah, I really Volume hope two. so, because there's so much music that we didn't get to play, especially from the Zelda series. Yes. I really wanted to play the Wind Waker theme Skyward and Sword. the Skyward Sword yes. final battle, which we, we also has a choir. Mm-hmm. Lots of great Zelda pieces. That's so. such a good final battle. Absolutely. And actually, in, in Boss Episode Part 1, we did include the Twilight Princess final boss, which is excellent. Oh, Remember that? Oh, great. Yeah. Speaking of uh, being influenced by A Link to the Past, like that one's just incredibly influenced by A Link to the Past, if I remember. Yeah. I think so it even uses sort of like a piano. If you guys are still kind of waiting to get your fix of more boss music for this Halloween season, we feel free to check out our episode from Season 1. Was it Episode 7 or 8, I think? boss music i think it was eight yeah so feel free to check that out yeah and, we had castle and actually speaking seven. of that we recently upgraded our rss feed so now you're able to access every single episode of the podcast that we've ever done from episode one all the way to this right. episode i mean you can always go back on our website you've always been able to do that or mm-hmm. back when we had the blog but what's great is now for those of you who subscribe you can download any of those episodes all the way back from one until now and I think that we should be able to keep that until mm-hmm. we get to like episode 200. So. 2000 maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be a problem yeah. for the near future. We're going to move on to Donkey Kong Country 2, composed by Dave Wise. Let's take a listen to King K. Rule theme, the final boss. listening to King K. Rule theme, and Will reminded me that I made egregious error, and it's actually Captain K. Rule in the second game. Yeah, how this dare is, uh, you? <laughs> Donkey Kong Country 2. Yeah, I think he, like, wise. adopts a new little uh, disguise persona in each game. Mm-hmm. In the third one, he's like Dr. Rulenstein or Franken-Rule or something. It's I really silly. greatly apologize to everyone out there. <laughs> Biggest error I've ever made on the show. Yeah, but I mean, I'm really excited for the new Donkey Kong Country game. I Retro can't Studios, wait. which is my favorite development team, they made Metroid Prime and the most recent uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns, which I thought was an incredibly underrated platformer on the Wii. And on top of that, you have Dave Wise returning to the Donkey Kong Absolutely. Country series. So really exciting. exciting stuff. So, yeah, we'll definitely be talking more about that in our Nintendo month. And I think uh, N- November is really just a great time to have Nintendo month because yep. that's really when Nintendo makes some of their biggest releases just because it's before the holiday season. Yeah. And I think we could probably do that. You know, most studios release yes. their biggest titles before the holiday season. But then again, Nintendo is awesome. So why not have Nintendo? 
Nintendo Month in November, and last year, you know, it was the release of the Wii U, and this year, um, November and the following months, mark sort of the release of three games that I'm really excited about, uh, Which Super are? Mario 3D World, mm-hmm. that Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, that comes out and in early no- December. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds, which is a sequel to Link to the Past. That's crazy. Oh my god. How long I'm have people so been excited. waiting for that? I just can't wait. And the music to all of them, I think, is going to be great. Yeah, I think I will probably purchase all three of those games. Oh, yeah. I think 3D World has this, like, big band sound, which is just sounding really cool that they're doing that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Almost sort of like a... And it's live players and actual performances. It's sort of like... And Tropical Freeze has a similar kind of palette, kind of a jazzy big band thing. I think that's sample-based, but it sounded pretty good from from what I heard. And it's Dave Wise back to do music. It's been so long. I just can't wait. It's going to be great. It starts next week. All right, let's move on to Kirby's Dreamland. Speaking of Nintendo, this is Jun Ishikawa, the first game in the series. Let's take a listen to King Dedede, the final boss. to King Dedede, which could definitely have fit in our short and sweet episode, very short piece of music, from Kirby's Dreamland, composed by Jun Ishikawa. Such a fun piece of music. It's just as bouncy as the rest of the music in this game <laughs> yeah, and series, I love it. but a little bit more minor key driven to fit yeah. a final boss. I mean, it's not chromatic or anything, no, but it's no. minor key driven. I don't know. I think this is almost as scary as Parasite Eve. It's, it's a close call. <laughs> I mean, yeah, compared to the most of the music in the Kirby series, this is really on yeah. the complete other spectrum. But yeah, I love that rhythmically it's keeping its bouncy, cutesy nature. Because, I mean, King DDD is not like the most threatening looking villain design he's basically equally as pudgy but he has a hammer does kirby suck him up at the end you know i don't know i don't think so i think all you kirby fans you should respond that would be too violent yeah what happens what's what's the plot at the end of this game (laughs) i don't know if there is much but yeah that's a a great piece of music everyone lives happily it's cool we didn't include it in our kirby episode i know it was on the list of that game but we didn't include it i believe in the later games like king ddd becomes like kirby's friend i know like in some of the more recent spoiler the co-op games like epic yarn you can play as kirby and king ddd i believe Interesting. Well, we're going to move on. We only have about three more pieces to talk about today. This is from Resident Evil 5, which uh, was the second to most recent Resident Evil game. I guess third to most because you had Resident Evil 6 and then you had Revelations, Revelations. which I've heard good things about. That's the most over... Oh, that's the most like overused <laughs> subtitle yes. for games and 
films. Rayman Revelations? Has there been one? God, I'm so sick. That'll be the next one. What is it? Like Revelations, Revolution, Mm -hmm. Reloaded, or like, you know, those kind of stupid So anyway, let's play this track. This is a really awesome, fully orchestrated track that could totally fit at home in a modern film score. And this is good film score. This isn't just phoning it in. This is great. This is the final boss theme called Deep Ambition, composed by Koda Suzuki. epic boss theme this is the deep ambition the final boss theme from resident evil 5 composed by koda suzuki this is uh i believe the final battle with wesker yeah albert wesker it's like a fiery sort of thing and he turns mm-hmm. into this like stupid looking like monster it's kind of it's kind of dumb i wasn't a big fan of this game yeah it had a lot of problems i i really liked the swamp section do you remember that that was right. i think the most fun section of the game had some promise, but uh, overall, I think there's a lot of missteps. Well, there was that sort of cave part, which mm-hmm. reminded me of uh, Resident Evil 4. Which I think is the best game in the series, personally. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I actually bought that game twice, because I bought it originally for the GameCube, and then bought the redone version for the Wii. I believe it was called Resident Evil 4 Revelations, if I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, there's I really... love this score. It's fantastic. God, it just makes me wish I had access to a real orchestra, because you hear this, yeah. and we're used to using, you know, like Hollywood strings, mm-hmm. Hollywood brass, which great, great VSTs. But I mean, this is just well, uh, there's funny, no funny you mention that because there's two versions of this song. The official soundtrack version is called Deep Ambition Digital Version, is w- and it's with samples. Really? So I'm wondering if this was what was included in the game, but for some reason on the iTunes version, it's fake. Huh? Yeah, check it out. It's, That's it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's uh, a yeah, great piece. As, as far as some of the brass writing in that, it reminds me a little bit of, like, uh, John Williams' work in the prequel films, like, mm-hmm. especially episode three, like, that Battle of the Heroes, mm-hmm. the way he writes, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, those kind yeah. of uh, triplet sort of uh, trumpet rhythms, which, I mean, well, frequently you, all yeah, over if, if in you're film going score, for that, but, but it, I mean, it really is crazy to think how influential, um, you know, kind of his work is to so many other composers. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, it's... It, it was definitely sort of in the musical culture mm-hmm. at the time. It was floating around. Was work on, I mean. Yeah. But he kind of pulled it out and just kind of made it really polished and yeah. pretty. So now we're going to move on to Sonic the Hedgehog, Final Boss. Uh, it's really cool. This is a pick that Will suggested. Um, you know, I had Sonic 3 on here, and I was thinking, well, we already did this Sonic 2 last time. This is a pretty deep time. cut, you know. <laughs> but Will was like, what about Sonic 1? I was like, oh, I completely forgot about that. Thank this you is... for giving me credit. I had to do so much research. <laughs> this is composed by Masato Nakamura. Let's take a listen to the Final Boss.
gosh, talk about nostalgia. I can't even contain it. Uh, I don't even really know what to say about this because it's just so classic to me. This is the final boss from Sonic the Hedgehog, composed by Masato Nakamura. Those chord changes are just absolutely stellar. Yeah, I love this song. I love everything about the first Sonic the Hedgehog game. I think every piece of music is right perfect. there. You just heard a great use of chromaticism. Again, mm -hmm. we're we're going back to the use of chromaticism in these final boss themes, and even as far back as Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Genesis. Not a soundtrack you'd think would incorporate a lot of orchestral compositional elements. You're still getting that chromaticism, which I think is impressive. Well, I love it's uh, Robotnik has sort of a more white guy western quality to like right. the way that his pieces are written you know this is more like a march and yeah it's sort of kind of like like a parody of some classical music techniques as far as some of those arpeggios it'd be interesting if masada would have gone more with a russian kind of a sound because doesn't robotnik right. i mean he's kind of supposed to be russian right right and i think this is sort of kind of an attempt to great do drum that. samples i love the timpani the dun 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 yeah. that's such a like a epic classic like final sonic like you get that and i believe the sonic 2 final boss too don't you right it, you know it does have a little bit of a russian quality i think yeah you get get i mean even just some of those chromaticisms and some of those chord choices have mm -hmm. a little bit of a russian flavor so to will it. if you were to rank what's your favorite sonic final boss theme of all time um, Let's rank them here. I love Sonic Two. Mm -hmm. I really love Sonic Three. The do no 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 that we played in mm -hmm. with. This one's great. Now Doomsday Zone. Are we gonna consider that a final Doomsday boss? Doomsday Zone. If we are, that's probably my favorite. I think that's the best. I would go Doomsday Zone, Sonic Three, Sonic One, then Sonic Two for me personally. I also really like Sonic 3D Blast for the Genesis. It doesn't really cool. sound like a final boss. Yeah, that, really that, again, that was one that we did play on our... on. I don't know if it was the boss episode, but we've played it previously. So. Yeah. Oh, that one's good. All right, last track of the day we're going to talk about here, folks. This is from Tales of the Abyss. This was composed by Motu Fujiwara. Let's take a listen to Finish the Promise. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is just a really fun time of year because there's so much exciting stuff happening. I mean, you have Halloween and then the upcoming holiday season, but it's a really good time of year for our show because we have this Nintendo month, which is something that 
uh, we're both very passionate about, it, and it's something that we really look forward to yes. ahead in the year. You know, we've planned these Nintendo Month topics almost about like last year when we finished <laughs> the last Nintendo Month. Yeah, we're we've like, oh, what can we do next year? Up. And so we've been waiting. This well, oh, and some I'm so of these excited. were topics that were cut from last year's mm -hmm. Nintendo Month. So I'm yeah. really excited about a lot of this. Once stuff. again, we just wanted to give a special thanks to all the people that uh, gave us suggestions for this playlist. We want to thank um, Twitter user S John Reefer. We want to thank Alex and Andrew. Those were the people that actually made the cut this week but we also had a lot of other really good suggestions and unfortunately we didn't get to include them lee made a great suggestion of a final fantasy track we'll try to include that at some point in the future and brandon also made a suggestion for a chrono trigger track which we'll try to include so, so thanks thank everyone. you so much yeah. yeah we really appreciate all your involvement and keep suggesting tracks for us to play yeah we really love checking out new soundtracks and sort of broadening our horizons and understanding of video game music yeah and every now and then when we have an episode in the future we're going to kind of do what we did is we're going to kind of come out to reach out to you guys for some well and hopefully we'll have another listener show and tell at some point mm -hmm. in the future but thank you so much again for joining us have a really happy halloween i hope you have a lot of fun and we'll really look forward to seeing you back next week for the start of nintendo month absolutely my name is carl brueggemann and i'm will brueggemann have a great week everybody peace out <laughs>